Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about? Hi Michael, uh, your choice. I cannot even name it, so please help me. Yeah, let me read out the request. So this one's based on a listener suggestion. So thank you so much for that one. They were asking about special considerations for databases that are used in a read-only mode all day and then get an update at night with additional data. So they are asking us to focus on, well, so they suggested the focus therefore should be on performance during the read-only times. So yeah, I think this is fascinating. I've only seen it a couple of times myself. Coronavirus data, right? In Great Britain, you, you mentioned this example. So we, we like reload data nightly, for example, and then people just use the frozen state of data. I remember reading about that one. I'm not actually sure that strictly counts as one of these cases. I, I'm not sure, for example, if they take any downtime or any time between updates. I'm not even sure if this person is, is assuming we have downtime or no. In the very beginning, let's agree, we don't consider any downtime as reasonable for us. Interesting. I like it. I just quit if someone suggests downtime. I just quit. I don't work with them anymore at all. Like, we don't it makes it more interesting. It makes this more interesting too. Right. right. Let's consider we don't allow downtime, but we consider all data changes are, happen during specific time period of day or week. Yep periodically and then we have frozen state of data and want to our want our read-only queries to be as fast as possible like the fastest possible like this is our goal sounds perfect so yeah kind of read only like that's yeah. how i'm thinking about the i know it's not read only but that's how i'm thinking about i think topic. we can split to two parts of this problem first is how to make read-only queries as fast as possible mm -hmm. and second how to refresh or update data or change data within specified period of time so then we have again the fastest possible read only queries right so perfect i have my notes organized exactly the same way oh, okay good good so which would you like to start with i'm thinking first the reads. one yeah, yeah perfect yeah. i don't know about you but i thought about this from like a perspective of wider writes and updates and inserts what it inserts updates and deletes why do they cause problems and therefore what problems don't we have and therefore what can we do differently so do you want to kind of go try and think of what the highest impact things are first or just start listing things that we can we can do let's uh, do it in a random order and then try to summarize and find uh, the most impactful ideas sounds perfect so some of mine being performance focused myself naturally the first thing i went to was thinking about indexes so we have in one of the biggest downsides of creating lots of indexes in general is write overhead so one of the things i was thinking was maybe the dial shifts a little bit towards we can afford a few more indexes than we would in a heavily updated system so that felt like maybe a slight shift when people are thinking like, what are my natural instincts? And maybe you need to go against those a little bit or change the balance there a little bit, but not just. So you basically pro propose to index all the columns. <laughs> <laughs> well, it crossed my mind that there's a few things like deep in the weeds of indexes that might also be interesting. So well, for, firstly, may, maybe more indexes make sense. 
Secondly, maybe more multi-column index makes sense. So like index only scans, we don't end up getting, I think you, you mentioned this pre previously, but the heap fetches number, right? Right. But these are two different things. First, let, let me comment on this yeah. here. So first of all, in my practice, I rarely see, I see it, but not frequently at all, that people try to minimize the number of indexes. Most often, I, I just come and see a lot of unused, redundant indexes. We had an episode about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is what people usually do. Like, they do more indexes than needed already. But I agree with you. Definitely, we could afford more indexes if we know we are not going to run updates, writes during daytime. But I don't think, in practice, it will prevent someone from creating another index in different situations. Sometimes, like, we have append-only table and people try to avoid indexes at all or we'll just have a single index. It, it's, it happens. But in many cases, people just create a lot of indexes anyway. So this I agree, but it's hard to measure. And I think the second item you mentioned, it's probably the most interesting one to reach index-only scan run faster due to hip fetches zero. If you see the plan, hip fetches zero means that you're good. But before explaining this, probably we should remind those who are not Postgres experts how MVCC works in a few words, right? So every update, every delete just marks your tuple as dead, but then some, some transactions probably might still need it. So, and then AutoVacuum cleans those tuples and marks also index entries as that as well and also cleans them. And if we have a lot of deletes and updates, not inserts, deletes and updates, we probably start to have bloat issues in both table and indexes, right? And before even considering index-only scans, probably we should think about more fundamental problem like bloat and dead tuples, right? So what do you think, like, if we say before our read-only period starts, we would like to vacuum everything and probably get rid of bloat, so re repack everything. I, I, if we have a lot of time, this would be ideal. We get rid of any bloat, and we know that all dead tuples already deleted for auto-vacuum. There is no work in terms of regular vacuuming, right? Yes, I think that's a really big one, actually. So because we have to keep it online, I think repacking makes sense pre-vacuum, right? There's no point doing a vacuum and then repacking everything, or is it... Let's distinguish repacking indexes and repacking tables. Indexes, it's like re-index, and the state will be fresh. Repacking tables, it's like vacuum full recreation, almost. So it's, yeah. again, basically repacking means you just perform something like dump restore or vacuum full on whole database if you repack everything. And it's good. We have fresh state. We don't have dead tuples and nothing to do for auto vacuum or vacuum, except just one thing, the state of usability maps, right? Well, do Which they brings change us to, during... I was to, thinking of suggesting potentially I've missed something, but I could imagine this being one of the few exceptions to the rule of not disabling auto vacuum i wondered if running our vacuum at the end of our just yeah. before the read period starts to build visibility it, maps exactly to update yes exactly as a as a final step i was actually thinking vacuum analyze because i we might have added a lot of data or, well, right? yeah exactly so run so do all of our in fact we've jumped to the second topic of like the i guess the bulk loading but it's important for that for the 
index-only scan optimization. So the the final step I was thinking would be a, a manual, also not manual, but like automated vacuum analyze, not via auto-vacuum. Explicit vacuum, right? Explicit, that's a better word for it, yeah. Which is also good in newer Postgres versions because it can process indexes in parallel, unlike auto-vacuum. Auto-vacuum still cannot do it. It's always processing table and all its indexes using just one worker. If, if we use explicit vacuum, we can do it slightly faster. Yeah. And the thing that ties this back to the query performance is that that final vacuum marks pages visible. All visible. Exactly. Updates the visibility map so that when Postgres is planning queries and when it's doing index only scans, because we're not getting any new data, because we're not getting any updates, right. any deletes during that period, we can't right. have any of those marked, updated. Right. So the first thing I would like to have is zero bloat, almost zero bloat maybe, and yep. zero dead tuples. There is also a thing, like we can do it actually if, if for downtime we could do it with vacuum full, but we agreed that we exclude this option, so we should run PG pack. And for indexes, it's, well, all situations are different, right? So we might see that we don't have enough time to do everything. Right. In this mm -hmm. case, probably I would just take care of indexes first of all, accept some bloat and dead tuples. Well, dead tuples maybe not, but bloat maybe yes. And also if we have partitioning, we could just play with partitions, or like some rotation or something, insert new data, new partition, and just like get rid of old partition, just drop it, and that's it. Well, it depends. Mm -hmm. But in general, I would like to see zero bloat, zero dead tuples, and visibility maps updated. And also... Mm, in some cases, I don't know the particular situation. Maybe some writes are still happening, right? And AutoVacuum does multiple, does many things. It has ma multiple goals. So get rid of dead tuples, it's one goal. To keep visibility map updated, it's another goal. And visibility map has uh, two bits for each page, right? Not only all visible, but also all frozen. And who knows, maybe some writes will trigger AutoVacuum to be uh, running in transaction ID wrap around. So it would be probably good to, to do vacuum analysis freeze as well, to mark all frozen bits for each page in visibility maps. And finally, recollect stats, but it's analyzed part for our explicit vacuum. So we have a fresh statistics in PG statistic, right? So all these things are good. Maybe one more, like, as dessert, dessert, let's add one more thing on top of it, like cherry on our cake. PGR pack supports, we can reorder the heap, the table, define specific physical order of tuples. We, we can choose a specific order, but just one, of course, just one. Some queries will be super fast because they will deal with fewer buffers because they will be getting data in proper order, fewer buffers touched, they would be super fast. And we can afford it if we repack. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're familiar with other databases, this is what people often call index-organized tables. Right. And it makes a lot of sense. There's a chance, like, for example, the examples I've seen of these are often quite time series heavy use cases. There's a chance your data will already be ordered. So if it is, if you've been able to insert it in order, then inserting your new data overnight or whenever you do it in an ordered fashion is also a way of potentially getting that clustering without having to do a very heavy, long process. So yeah, inserting it, making sure it ends up in order is the, is right, feels like a good Right, we don't order. have delete updates or inserts, so we know that it won't, won't change during the day. So yeah, for the status frozen, it's a perfect situation. Yeah. 
this reminds us Brin indexes were also had an episode, yes. right? Right. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring up Brin indexes because I think this might be another benefit that we have here. I think it might be that we. So I know we've talked about Brin indexes and some of the benefits that have come in. Was it Postgres fifteen or fourteen? Fourteen, maybe. Yeah, but one of the downsides of Brin indexes is that they degrade as they as data gets updated. In our case, they don't, but also exactly. uh, they are slower than B3, so probably don't need them because we don't want to improve update performance, so I would still choose B3 again. Well, it depends, right? Like, if they also are much, 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 much smaller. So don't, if They don't have, spam our caches, right? Exactly. If mm. we have a huge data set and RAM, RAM's expensive, right, there might be some... Yeah. Several trade-offs here, uh, hard to say. But, right, but I all I meant is that in general day-to-day thinking, maybe you don't think of Brin indexes that much, but if you're in this case, maybe you can think of it a little bit more as, as something that's an option to you. The other index type that I wanted to bring up along those lines is another one that's expensive to up. Well, so it is one that's expensive to update, which is GIN indexes. So right. because we don't have these updates... I didn't. I wasn't considering that it would have to be online the whole time. So eventually, we are going to have to update it or drop and recreate it. It's collecting it. pending pending list and so on. Like we we definitely can tune our gene indexes to benefit from a redundancy situation. It's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. you make a good point that we could tune. Well, the overhead would be overnight, right? It would be while we're doing our updates, not during the day. So read performance is still good. Right. So, yeah, yeah, definitely we can benefit from read-only state. If I remember, so there's pending lists, and I quickly checked right now, fast update option. The thing is that we want everything be already in place, so we don't want to have additional lookups internally for selects. So we can say the speed of selects is most important for us. Updates can be slow, it's fine. So we make proper choices when we create a gen index or rebuild it, and that's it. Yeah. So fast update probably off. Yeah. My understanding is that that won't make all updates slow, but it will make some updates extremely slow. Right, right. When we reach, pending list is reached, like by default, if I remember, it's four megabytes. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not good to... I can't to, remember. Yeah. I had issues with it in some cases. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not fun. We have some blog posts. We could share. In fact, actually, there's one I was going to mention earlier by Haki Benita that talks about loading data in a sorted fashion. And there's a good one by, I think, Lucas Fittel talking about the GIN update. So I'll link up both of those in the but show notes. It's, as too, well. it's too fine-tuning to me. I still like this, what we discussed, order of tuples and fully vacuum state, up-to-date visibility maps, zero risks that auto-vacuum start working at some time. We don't want it to be working during our daytime at all. It's perfect. We discussed like visibility maps. All pages are marked all visible. And it means that our index-only scans will be as fast as possible because they will have heap fetches zero in plans. When we look at plans, we see heap fetches non-zero. It means that index lookup was already not index-only. Heap was inspected to ensure about visibility. But if our visibility map is up-to-date, no writes happen to table, it means that heap fetches is zero. It means the index-only scans will be super fast. And in this case, I would check my queries and rewrite them to use index-only scans like everywhere where I can. 
Sometimes you need to use index-only scan quickly and then you already fetch separately, like using like width as materialized, so materialized CTE with like plan fencing. Or somehow else, you just want to find rows using index-only scans and then you can already read all columns you need from it and so on. So I would check all the plans and ensure that I use index-only scans as much as possible and heap fetches are indeed zero. This is super important. And spoiler, I will consider this as probably number one thing I would like to have in overall, in overall our discussion. Like heap fetches zero and index-only scans. Yeah, awesome. There's a couple of other things in terms of queries that you can do to favor index only scan. Like just checking that you do need all the columns that are being requested. If you yeah. like, there's something, especially if you're using an ORM or something, that can really lead to all columns being requested when actually only a few are needed for the. This is what I meant. I was yep. meaning, yeah. Or, or if you do need these columns, okay, include them to to have cover in the index and to have it in index. Yeah, or even just a straight up multi-column index. So I would fight. I would fight hard to have single index-only scan in yeah. most critical queries. Yeah. In this case, I know this is the best performance Postgres can can give me. Right. So here's an like here's a related topic, and I've got two more for you. This one is materialized views or pre-aggregation in general. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it do, they don't have to be materialized views, right? It could just be that we load the data in this, like we, we aggregate before even loading. But, materialized um, view in a broader meaning. Right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the point with is it's not going to change. Exactly. On it. So it helps with index-only scans, right? Because if you have data in two tables and you get a materialized view, like yeah, we talked yeah. about this before, right? You can, you can now index on columns across multiple tables by like yeah, I I want I know you wanted to go to like DBA low level stuff like backups and so on. Let's let's do it sl slightly later. This yeah. is a great topic. Like okay, it's a lot of, we can as one of my old customers told me someday, I love materialized use, but they feel like huge hammer with uh, like jewelry. So sometimes it doesn't work too fine. So imagine if you created a lot of materialized use, prepared them, uh, created indexes on them, have uh, index on the scans. But mm -hmm. then my question is, what's the state or your of your buffer pool and the file cache? Is it good? Because you started to keep the same data multiple, multiple times, like many times the same records, basically, if you have denormalized situation. And probably you need more memory to keep because you have more pages. And this kind of a bloat as well, because like you could do much better if you avoid materialized use, for example. Maybe. It depends. I don't know. the. There is no single answer here. I think it depends a little bit on on the number of similar queries that are hitting you like if you have like a dashboard that is hit having like the same things being asked of it over and over again that's one thing if you allow people to set all different filters and they could be sliced in the data in any way they like completely custom maybe Indexes there's like a, well. a different trade-off oh yeah be. but what i'm what i mean is if you don't allow that much customization maybe you materialize everything and own and only load that data so in some cases, probably I would choose materialized views, but I would think twice, maybe even more, like 
three, four times do I need them? Because what I would do, I, I would try to understand what's what my working set during day, yeah, how perfect. much bytes of memory, gigabytes, mm -hmm. terabytes, I don't know, how much uh, memory I really need. And probably I would try to use, uh, in reality, PG buffer cache extension to inspect the current state of our shared buffers and understand what indexes are currently loaded, how much of them, and uh, same for tables. And from there, also checking buffer pool efficiency from PGStat database and monitoring, everyone should have it. I would ensure that efficiency is more than 99%. So at least two nines we should have there. And in this case, it's good. Like, okay, we have space. We have buffer pool big enough. We have room for materialized view, right? Well, yeah. And the, the main reason I wanted to bring it up was not that I thought it was necessarily a great idea. It's more that we don't have one of the big downsides in this use case. We don't have the fact that the, the data goes stale. So it, it just opens up that possibility that they might be a better idea than they would be generally. Mm -hmm. But this is super important to understand the content of the buffer pool and probably the page cache and understand how how many pages are going to be evicted because they don't have enough space in the buffer pool. Yeah. Because when it needs to be evicted, we have contention issues. For example, in Postgres 9.5, 9.6, it was a lot of work done specifically for select-only workload, read-only workload. And I remember excellent small post from Alexander Korotkov when he was working with, by the way, MySQL people from Percon and so on, like towards 1 million TPS on one machine. It was long ago, like... We've years, shared it maybe. before. I'll, I'll link it up yeah, again. Yeah, it's though. great. And because it, it shows exactly how we can also run PGBench easily mm -hmm. with select only prepared transactions and so on, prepared statements. This shows that contention possible not only when we change data, right? It's possible in read only state as well. And I would try to minimize it and to yeah. keep our working set as stable as possible in our buffer pool. Ideal situation, we have a lot of memory. Our database is very small. It's enough. Well, there will be a different question about cost optimizations from our non-technical people, probably financial people and so on. But in, in this case, we are good. We can afford a couple of more materialized views and, and so on, right? But in reality, we usually don't have enough memory. Database is quite big and we try to optimize it. In this case, uh, I would try to keep in buffer pool as much as possible of our working set and materialized use are our enemies in this case right they increase demand for memory yeah i had one more topic that i wanted to run past you on the query performance side and that was again thinking about some of the downsides of lots of like a higher churn of our data and that's replication can we afford more replicas or like more geo-distributed replicas to get data closer to end users in this workload where we don't have as many like where, where during the day there's just we don't have to worry about lag at all you know what i like about sharding it's because if we have shards and each shard has one or two better two standby nodes it's so much better compared to situation when we have 10 standby nodes and we spend not only disk space but also a lot of ram to store the same data many many times just mm -hmm, to scale mm -hmm. reads. It's so inefficient when you need many, many standby nodes. It's like you spend a lot of money just to store. It's again like too redundant storage in terms of not storage, like I mean, temporary storage of memory. So I don't like to have a lot of standby nodes, but sometimes we do need it. And again, in the context of materialized use, 
they will since we supposed to use physical replication we will need to store them on all nodes and occupy to pay for memory many times so I, you see i don't like materialist use actually right? i've yeah. sensed a pattern but what about the idea of reducing latency globally like some of these use cases we're in the same country like the uk covid dashboard probably most of their traffic was coming from the uk um, ah, you, i understand what probably you trying to say if we have read-only state during daytime mm-hmm. mm-hmm. our replication is small like and we can bring servers closer to user we don't list it perfect situation we even exactly. if latency if latency distance is big we don't care because it's already data is already there that's a good point like edge computing almost right yeah well exactly i know we're again paying for ram in multiple places cpu in multiple places but it feels like maybe that's a trade-off you'd be more willing to take because you don't have that what well, the normal issues there yeah, so we should use this. Remember this project which runs Postgres right in browser. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> Using a web assembly and virtual machine inside it, and so on. like it's it's. Yeah. Well, even something like Yugabyte, right? Yeah. That's- so it's it's valid point and definitely worth considering, like bringing regional case. And for example, like I remember AWS Aurora with its global database idea, like read only clusters and so on mm-hmm. in this context and makes more sense. But what did you want to tell me about backups? Well, do we need them? Like we've got, we can have a daily one, for example, as part of that nightly. Ah. Do we need anything more than that? So I would keep them, but there is a, a setting I don't remember from top of my head, but this setting is responsible for, it's like archive timeout maybe. So the, the setting says even if wall um, 16 max by default, even if it's not filled yet, on this timeout, archive it. In this case, of course, uh, if, if you know there are no many writes and we don't need a huge recovery time, probably we should make it less frequent, one hour, for example. Right, so so we we archive walls less frequently, but worth remembering, some selects can lead to writes and they can write to some wall and so on. But if we vacuumed everything, and we propagated everything to replicas, while log hints, if our hint bits on standby nodes are also like have everything from the primary, in this case we should be good. And indeed, we can archive less frequently. But I think it's it's a small question. It's just a matter of space occupied in backups. I don't think we will notice the overhead, performance overhead uh, happening from archive command working. It's not like checkpoint or autovacuum. Well, usually. should we move on to what about checkpoints then? What would you do with those? Well, checkpoints, I, I think if writes are not happening at all, we don't care. We can keep default settings. Every five minutes or? I don't care. So if if everything, like if all buffers are clean, no dirty buffers at all, almost no, like it's, it, won't, it won't be noticeable. It, yeah. it becomes noticeable only when writes are happening. And if you remember checkpoint tuning, we discussed a lot how to tune for heavy writes. I was thinking we could therefore make it a lot less frequent, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter, exactly. It doesn't matter. If yeah, we nice. checkpoint with very few dirty buffers, it will be mm-hmm. very fast. And that's it. So checkpoint is, and auto vacuum we already discussed. If we do vacuuming every, and even if we do freezing ourselves, in this case vacuuming won't trigger. That's it. 
Right. What about the overnight process? Should we get to that? Yeah, this is where things start to become less good looking because we yeah. probably don't have a lot of time to vacuum freeze analyze or whole our database verbose. I would probably include to see the details about the process. Mm -hmm. In this case, we need to make decisions, having trade-offs and wait, weighing both or maybe sometimes multiple choices and choosing the best one. For example, we might say, okay, we don't have time to rebuild and to repack our table using some clustering or we do it infrequently or probably we even don't touch some indexes. It depends. So it depends on how strict, how narrow our window to apply changes is but i would definitely consider partitioning here because in this case we have more control and data locality and so on and more control in but also in terms of how much work will be needed for a vacuum because if you have huge table you just you know like okay we update 10 percent of our huge table which is 10 terabytes every night for example okay you will need okay 10 percent means one terabyte probably it's too much for a few hours but anyway we don't know in to which pages our updates will go, right? It's distributed, who knows how. And in this case, we don't have control. But if it's a partition table, we discussed it very recently, we insert new data to new partition or deal with fresh partitions. We have some very already like in frozen state old partitions. We touch them very rarely. In this case, uh, vacuum works much faster. Rebuilding, we don't need to rebuild everything. We need to rebuild particular indexes and, he and tables also. Partitioning is our friend here, unlike materialized views. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Maybe materialized views are not that bad, but I just... They are outdated, the approach Postgres currently has. Uh, we uh, live in time when we need m much more powerful materialized views already, and there are projects that exist trying to solve it, but... Yeah. I wish we already had have had it everywhere so inside Postgres. In terms of that, you, you mentioned like having a deadline or having like a certain compressed period of time where we needed to do. Maybe we don't have like that a long. couple of hours, for example, our yeah. window. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting point because some of the things I was thinking, I'm not sure they apply anymore. If we because we've we've said we need to think about zero downtime. Except, could we do like blue-green deployments? So we could have one cluster live or and then switch branches. to Maybe branches. Yeah, or whatever you want to call it, where you flip the connection so that we could have been doing all this data in a, in well, a blocking Well, partitioning uh, can provide this already. For some cases, partitioning. You just create new partition, you, you, you can switch to reading from it when you, you already filled it. Why not? No, like it's almost blue-green or something. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. It's like in PGQ, three partitions. One is being used right now. Another, we are working on it. And mm -hmm. third one, we use it recently and we will be processing it soon. So rotation of partitions. This is like for from queuing in Postgres approach used by Skype in PGQ. And we could do similar thing here. And it's similar to like blue, green or bar branching and so on. But if you have branching, for example, new one, you, ca you can use them. Or if you install database lab engine on production, if you're okay for, with using ZFS there, or you can implement it with hardware as well. In this case, so you can have branches, but it's like we can just have some rotation here, right? Why not? But what I wanted to say also here, I would tune checkpoints. 
So go on. Yeah. One of trade-offs we want to make here, we probably want to generate less wall pages. So having less frequent checkpoints would be good. Distance increases, fewer full page writes inserts are happening. But the price we pay here is longer restore time after crash. Right? So I would increase maxwell size a lot, checkpoint timeout a lot, like thirty minutes maxwell size like 100 gigabytes checking free disk space, definitely. Maybe even more. And we know if we crash, we will be in recovery like 10, 15 minutes. It's okay. Well, and it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter, right? Because we're already... It depends on the case. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. I don't know. Maybe it matters. If people continue using it and we are down for 15 minutes, maybe it's not acceptable. But if we can afford this risk, if we say, okay, our restoration time, 15 minutes is fine. In this case, we say like checkpoint timeout 30 minutes, maximum size 100 gigs. Again, some, I provide some arbitrary numbers. Yeah. They should be tested for a particular situation. But then we produce fewer wall records. Our intensive rights performance is better. Then other choices. Maybe I should drop indexes before, when I deal. Yeah. yeah, so this is what I was thinking about the blue-green. Like we can't we probably can't drop indexes before we insert if, we, if, if we're keeping new partition why not we can create them after we inserted the yeah data. that's the blue green idea the, the doesn't the partitioning have the same issue for you as the materialized views though like in terms of buffer cache this is new data right sorry so yes yeah, so you're saying put just the new data into materialized view it doesn't have it's not original source of data it relies on tables and just copies transforming somehow and copies the same data as der- derivative right i completely misunderstood yeah. what you how you meant you were using partitioning you meant like basically new partition per day makes sense for example yeah yeah all cool. we, ha- we, we all or we can have like seven partitions and when monday starts we reuse old monday's partition for example yeah. or have rotation depends i don't know like the particular case and we can design something or just use time 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 scale and and that's it yeah but the idea is that partitioning is super beneficial because we again like vacuum we have data locality data already stored in more compact way less sparsely yeah. So probably we even don't need to, to apply clustering or like re- it's called cluster, but it's reordering, right? And PGRPack has this option to cluster data. So maybe we even don't need it because we know all fresh data is one partition already, da- daily partition. Vacuum is faster. Indexes under control. We don't need to rebuild whole index. We build just index on our partition. All others yeah. already are good. Visibility maps are good. Index behavior is good for all partitions. If tomorrow we will be using yesterday partition, we still keep it, but it's kind of frozen state. So it's it's quite good. We like definitely it. have quite a lot of stuff to to use for optimized case here. So with maximal size and checkpoint time, timeout can be changed then without restart. When we prepare for bulk updates, do bulk updates without indexes or with as few indexes as possible and recreate indexes or create them afterwards. Adjust a checkpoint timeout at maximum size to move faster, to produce less wall and to put less pressure on backup and replication systems and on disk, of course. What else? Maybe drop constraints before, ha- before doing the inserts? Maybe, but depends again. Like if we do see or triggers 
if you do see some overhead from them, yeah, worth considering. But cre creation them also takes time, right? Yeah, it's worth testing both, right? Like t test without and test if, with. And if it's new partition, if it's like blue green approach, if we create new partition, nobody is yet reading from it. We we can block it and create indexes without concurrently. True. Yep, and I like that. constraints as well. We we know it's already big, like, okay, we have like 10 gigabytes uh, partition, but we know nobody's using it yet, so we can move faster and regular create indexes like roughly two times faster when create index concurrently. And same with partitions, we don't need not valid and then validate two-phase mm -hmm. creation. We can just create it blocking this partition, not taking into account others at all before yeah. we open the gates to it. One last idea from my side, if we can't afford to do all maintenance every night, we could stagger it, right? Like we don't have to do the same every night. We could do like a section of them on Mondays, a section of them on Tuesdays, a section on Wednesdays. Like we, yeah, we can split it however you want. Or also maybe some actions can be like we can avoid duplicated actions and do it less often as well. So, so instead of changing something every day we change it once per week although yep. everything else is changing is like we have daily partitions blah, blah, blah. but something is changed only once per week just to avoid i don't know it, it's like some fantasy <laughs> so, so like well, we, i guess it depends on the use case right but all i right. meant is in terms of maintenance it's so like if you get rid of bloat once per week it doesn't mean you have to do a lot of work once per week it could be you do a little bit of work yeah, for day. example, recreate some table, repack yes. it only like once per week. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. we know we accumulated some changes and like some bloat and so on. It's like an order changed and we we process it in heavier way just once per week. It's also some optimization yeah. considering trade-off we have. But in yeah. ideal world, we have enough time to insert our data and to say, Vacuum all, repack, repack everything, all tables, all indexes with clustering, and then run vacuum without full, without full. Vacuum analyze verbose freeze on whole database. Nice. And in the end, we have quite ideal state, and that's it. And I would return Maxwell size just in case, not to keep it very, very big, but maybe dynamic play with max wall size and checkpoint timeout is it's not that needed maybe we can keep it quite large for all the time brilliant did you have anything else i don't think so i think it's it's enough we already like we designed some brainstormed some project here i guess yeah well, i hope it was helpful whoever requested this and it was definitely interesting for us in terms of thinking it through <laughs> Um, Maybe last thought. Uh, all I explained comes from my experience, but I never saw such case when I can afford dealing with like whole database like that. Usually, we have only part of database behaving mm -hmm. in, described in this pattern. But like so, additional uh, question would be if only some of tables behave like this what to do but it's there things become much more complex because trade-offs becomes harder and so on i'd say that becomes much more normal though i think this one's normal, interesting right? yeah this one's interesting and i'd be really interested to hear from anybody that does maintain a system like this and is it, if there's anything we've forgotten or anything we've missed that you do that's good in this situation it'd be great to hear coronavirus database in great britain for example yeah I think a lot of government uh, data in many countries, it's quite static and it's been refreshed. So it should be popular. 
some huge data sets get done like this, like geographic ones, spatial yeah. ones. There's all sorts that I've seen that only get a refresh once per day. Yeah. Good. Okay. Thank you for the idea. Yeah, and absolutely. Th 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 thanks to our mm, listener who gives this idea. Yeah. And thank you, Nikolai. Thanks everyone for listening. See you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.